Hey, this is Brian Martin. And this is Jennifer Martin. And our program is Real Estate Love. And we talk about everything that affects the real estate agent and all of our affiliates. Everything from money and community and health and culture all the way down to the relationships that agents have at home. Because, Jennifer, do you remember what the subtitle of our program is? I do. And it is? It is uh, Strengthening Families, Strengthening Our Home. And Growing Our Business. And Growing Our Business. Strengthening Our Home and Growing Our Business. And that's, well, Jennifer and I have a long track record, don't we? How many years have we been doing this? 44 years together. 44 years together, yes. And then in, in uh, the real estate business? Well, together in the real estate business, I think you started with me in 2005. And you started in? Uh, 1986. 1986, and you took over your father's business? In about 2003. 2003, and we have um, our kids and our grandkids now that are part of our family business. It's been quite a journey. In our company, we have about 180, 190 agents in our office, and we also run our own sales team. Right, and we have right at 10 people on our sales team. And so we are a busy and productive and a successful family. We are. And so what we want to do is we want to share, yeah, we want to share with our listeners the insights that we've learned over the years and help you to apply them to your lives. Doesn't that sound exciting? It is exciting. It is exciting. exciting. And you know, Brian, learning these things hasn't, um, as in most things, you don't learn things in the easy times. You learn things during the difficult seasons of life. Yes. And that's where you hope you put those things that you've learned into practice so you don't have to go through them again and learn them all over again. Yes, but you know what I always say? Life is a series of problems interspersed with periods of tranquility. That's absolutely true. And not only that, I believe that it's through the growth and the the struggles that we have and through the failures that we have that we really grow. Well, and I have to say that I believe that what may be a struggle today is not necessarily, even if it's the exact same situation, a struggle tomorrow because you've learned how to deal with it, right? That's right. Because we, you and I believe this about human beings. That we're, we have gifts and skills and talents and tools that we use and bring to bear to every situation. And not only that, but a human being is a phenomenal problem solver. We have incredible built-in tools in our, in our brain to help us solve problems. And frankly, if you've been in the real estate business for more than two weeks... You know, <laughs> you know that what we do most of the time is solve problems. And create options. And create options. Absolutely. And that's one of the beautiful things because it helps shape and mold our character. It really does. Yeah. I agree with you. What are we talking about today? So one of the things I like to talk about is money because I think money is um, a real growth area for most people. I think um, knowing how to look at it, one of the things you've taught me early on is that money is a tool it, and to appreciate it in, in that way. I think one of the things that I've shared with you is that money is good for the good money does. I, 
I love to give, and because of that, we give. And I don't mean that you don't love to give, but that was just one of the things that, that I think I brought to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Because when we started out, I was a survivor. And uh, all that I wanted to do was to survive. I wanted to pay the rent this month, have enough food this week or this day for our kids. And if I could just get by and survive for the time being, then that would be the way that I would be happy to live. And that's the way that I grew up. And that's the environment that I was in. I did not understand that there was more out there available than we could possibly imagine. I did not know how to tap into that. And so for for me, reality was just making it from one day to the other. The idea of being a philanthropist was the farthest thing from my mind. But when I finally made the switch, and anybody can make the switch, it doesn't make any difference whether, you, you, you know, if you have a modest income or if you have a, a large income. You, In fact, I know some poor people who are, who are better philanthropists than some people that are rich. Well, and you know, I, I love that word, philanthropy. I, I love it. And I think one of the things that I realized is that I may not have money to give, but I have other things to give that can make me a philanthropist. We are, you and I are rich in multiple ways. One of the ways that we're rich is in insight and in wisdom because we have a lot of life experience now. And, and, and that's not money. Uh, it, helps to, it helps create and generate money. But all that is is just life experience that we get to share with other people. And I, anybody can do that. You just have to put your mind to it. You control your thoughts and you say, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I think the other thing is you have to understand what your gifts, tools, talents, and... Um, I'm leaving one out. <laughs> Skills. Skills. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah. Are so that you can realize this is what I have a philanthropy in. I, I'm able to share this with the world. I'm able to share this with my community. I'm able to share this with my family. Well, more than that, to understand what your gifts and skills and talents and tools aren't. For instance, I am not a very good brain surgeon. No, I wouldn't want to do brain surgery. And I don't know anything about building bridges. Or really fixing cars. Well, I do know a little bit because when I was a kid growing up, I had cars that I got to work on. And it's a lot different now. They are. I mean, you can't take apart a carburetor and put it back together now. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's no uh, plugs, points, and condensers for you to change out. There is So, but... Uh, But I do have some some interesting gifts. I I know what mine are. Mine are I inspire, I encourage, I empower people to be more than they ever thought that they could be. You really do. Yeah, and those, and that's, and those, you know, I didn't go to school to learn those. I did go to school, but those are things that I've picked up over the years, and that's just stuff that I do well now. I think that one of my gifts, skills, talents, and the tool I use is to teach people how to work. I, I agree. You teach people how to work and teach people how to manage their money as well. You're an excellent person 
at that. I love that when we do our workshop together and we talk about the money part and you talk about you know all the the snowball and the and the and the envelope method and and the depository accounts and the p and l's and all that stuff that's inside of you it's it's almost part of your dna and it comes out of you so natural it's truly a gift you don't even have to think about it what is that they say in that class it's it's unconscious competence because it just flows out of you well, I think that with money, people get caught up in the angst of the money. And it's easy to do. You know, if you have the bill collector calling you and saying, hey, when are you going to pay your rent? Or when are you going to pay your mortgage? Or uh, we're coming to get your car. You know, that that's a lot of anxiety. That really does create that uh in you. And, and I remember there were times when we got those calls. I remember that I... I t- changed the way I approached the calls so that when one of those uh, bill collectors called, and it was usually about the mortgage way back in the 1981, 82, 83 era of our life, and I started thanking them for calling, and and they didn't know how to handle it, (laughs) but I would say, thank you so much for calling you are someone I want to pay. And you know, I, had, I hadn't developed that understanding yet. And so when they would call me, I would try to argue with them. Now here they are, some, some lower level bill collector who's probably getting $10 an hour on the phone. And I'm going I'm to be arguing with them about different aspects of the, of the mortgage and the process. And I, got, I, got, I used to get so worked up in those conversations that I know my blood pressure was out of this world and I could feel the adrenaline just pumping through my system and I was just uh, I was ready for war <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking to somebody who's probably a minimum wage worker who doesn't know anything and is just trying to do their best to do their particular because job because they just want their paycheck they just want their paycheck they're just doing what they have to they, they probably wanted to be a brain surgeon uh, but they ended up being a bill collector that's right and uh, you know and here are, so f- over the years by watching you and I think this is really important for a lot of couples they need to watch the skills and the talents and the tools and the gifts of their partner and to learn from them so that you could learn. (laughs) (laughs) I I tell you, uh, I I don't think a lot of couples will do that. I don't think they learn from the other. But over the years, I have... I have take I have learned how to learn from you and it's it's fabulous when we learn from each other don't you think It it is and we do that well we and, go back and, and forth And especially with money issues So one of the things that I think is so important for people to understand is you don't you don't want to spend everything that you earn I know and that's that's a huge thing you don't want to spend 40% <laughs> of what you earn. So and that's really hard. It's really hard in, in today's in today's world and we get caught up oftentimes in what we think we need. And you know, I remember when we were spending everything that we earned that there were times where I would buy things just because I I thought we needed them, but we really didn't. And I I'm thinking about uh maybe trying to we didn't we didn't have the Joneses next door uh, who had 
so much more than we did. But what we did have is we had our kids in a community where we felt like um, we needed to do everything that other ch- people were doing with their children. And so you get caught up in that, and we had to step back and say, you know what, we need to look more carefully and choose to take control of what we are engaging in with our children or in our life and make it a conscious choice and a conscious decision that we're focusing on and not just randomly, okay, we'll do all of these things. Can you, can you give an example of that? Well, I know that when Joanna decided that she really wanted to be a cheerleader, the cost of being a cheerleader was really uh, something that we looked at and we thought, oh my gosh. And then we also sat down at the same time and said, okay, she has to wear this cheer uniform three days a week minimum. So how is that going to affect the money that we have to spend for clothes for her? And when we looked at it that way, we we saw we were able to see there was a trade-off. Okay, so we don't have to have as many outfits. She doesn't have to go out and shop as much. And so we looked at that as a, a trade-off, right? right? And we were able to invest in that for her and not worry about all of the other clothes that she might need because we understood, well, she's not going to need them. She has three days a week. She's going to be wearing those uniforms. So I think one of the things that I heard you say is that it was the the culture of that particular environment, of that particular group, that was driving us to be able, driving us to act and to be and to buy and to do certain things. I think so. So how how does that translate into the real estate business? Well, I think realtors have the same problem. You know, maybe they need, a, in their mind, a better car or they need a, a fancier laptop or they need whatever. And they see other people and they think, okay, well, I, if I'm going to be a realtor, I need a BMW. Or, or a Mercedes-Benz. Or a Mercedes or, or even just a, a newer model. You know, I, it was so funny the other day. So I drive a 2005 Buick. It has close to 200,000 miles on it. I love my Buick. My daddy drove a Buick. It's a (laughs) great car. You know, and I had a client in the car with me the other day, and he said, do you know what I really like about you? And I said, it's always scary when they start out like that. I said, uh, no, what? He said, well, you're an owner of this company, and you drive a 2005 Buick. (laughs) I know. And yeah. to me, you know, oh, it, that that 2005 Buick doesn't doesn't have to be my status symbol. It, it isn't. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, a a car doesn't have to, to to denote who or what we are. And so I think that it's really important to be able to understand that we use what we have, and we use it at a high level. So if I'm going to drive a 2005 Buick, then I'm going to make sure that I don't have a lot of garbage in my car. <laughs> well, you know, what that, what that Buick has done, it's become part of your brand and who you are. <clears throat> because you, you're, you're well known in our community <clears throat> and you work with luxury buyers and you work with other buyers also. And, so, and sellers. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when um, so when the owner of the horse ranch sees you drive up 
and the thirty the thirty acre horse ranch that's a multi million dollar property, and they see you drive up in a two thousand five Buick, they say, "Oh, there's Jennifer." Mm-hmm. It well, they do. Yeah, it's part of your brand, and I think that um, that's that's a really cool thing about you. And I don't think I think most people don't realize that that they have this presence about them that becomes who they are in the eyes of other people. And so it's important for them to be true and authentic to themselves, but also to portray a brand that is going to be viable and work in, in, in the community that they're working with. And so I can see how it's important for some people to drive um, a, a Mercedes or a BMW or something like that. I can see how that might be necessary because it's part of who they are. Absolutely. And, and, but it's true. It's not, not, they're not putting it on. It's just who they are. And that's what's important is, is knowing who you are and where you are today. And the other thing is that you mentioned about choices and decisions and things like that. And here, this is where my strength is. Because the, it's, it's more than a choice. It's actually controlling your thinking about your money. And it's controlling your thinking about what you spend. It's controlling your life. It's, it's not just a, a decision or it's not just a good idea. It's active controlling. So, you know, one of the things I want to say about that, because I feel like I've gotten really good at this, is that it is control. And one of the ways we control our money is we look at it every day. That's right. We, we control our money really well. We take a look at it constantly. We're always, we're always on the, uh, looking at, at the bank accounts. We have the P&Ls that we look at. We have our budget meetings that we, we, we are involved in. Right, but I, I want to step back and I want to say looking at your money every night literally is important. So we open up our online banking and we look at what the accounts show every night. And we do that because it tells us something. One, it tells us, are we overspending? Are we saving? Is there money in the account? All of those things. And it helps us make correct decisions the next day. So there's times where I may be out and I go, gee, I love that $4,000 patio set. And I immediately think about my bank account. Now, I have to think, do I want to take $4,000 out of my bank account? That'll take it down to this amount. Or... And buy that patio set, or am I more content keeping that $4,000 in my bank account? But because I know the amount, because I watch it, because I want to see it grow, it was really easy for me to say, "Mm, not today. I'm not going to buy that $4,000 patio set that is just beautiful. I'm not going to buy that because I'd rather watch... That money grow. All right, so let me ask you a question. Is is taking a look at your bank accounts every night a habit or is it a ritual? Oh, we're back on habits and rituals. Yeah, well, I think this is important because what you're talking about is controlling your money. And, well, and focusing. And that's exactly right. Focusing on something is controlling it.
Right. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think a lot of people will just take a look at, have the habit of taking a look at their bank accounts and say, oh, okay, well, there's that amount in there. But no, you do more than that. It's, it's meaningful to you. It, it's significant to you. It helps you to, you're actually taking control of the way that you're thinking about your money. So Jennifer, when you are looking at your bank account every night, it's a ritual. It's not just a habit, it's a ritual because it has meaning and it has significance to you. And I think that's what, what people need to do is they need to engage in rituals because rituals help them focus, like you said, helps them take control. And people need to control not just their money, but the way they think about their money. Absolutely. It's the thinking process that's important. And so just by randomly looking and say, okay, I got enough money there to cover my bills for tomorrow, that's not good enough. It needs to, you need to, to think about it. Okay, how is this going to shape and form my, my buying and my spending and my saving decisions tomorrow and the next day, which is exactly what you said you did. Well, and you know, the, the other thing that is uh, very important to me is I don't look at it as um, budgeting. Okay. I look at it as wealth growing. Okay. So when I open up that account and I'm looking at the money, it's how am I going to grow this money? All right. So let me let me comment about that. So it's not just <clears throat> you're actually taking a lot of thought. You're very mindful. You're controlling it specifically, and it's important to you. And I think that's what the listener needs to hear is how. Important is how mindful you are, how focused you are, how controlling you are about your money. So you've reframed it. It's not just a budget, no. which is a one way to think about it. You've elevated that. You've reframed it in your mind. And now it's become wealth building. And this is what I think agents need to engage in, is they need to engage in wealth building. Because in real estate, we have the opportunity that a lot of people don't have to generate a lot of income. And there has to be a reason and a purpose for it, and that's wealth building. Because if you have the money, then guess what? You can do the philanthropy at a higher level. Absolutely. You can, you can be more mindful and take more control about the giving that you engage in. And of course, you're going to be living, uh, saving for your dreams and, and living the life that you want to live. But the important thing is, how are you going to control your money and distribute it in the best way and you can do that best from your worldview when you're wealth building and not just budgeting. That's, that's, you said it perfectly. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a good place for us to stop today. I think so. I, just, I think it's really good for agents to, to think about and to control their thoughts about money and how they spend it, how they save it, how they control it, how they manage it. It's a big deal. It really is. Thank I'm, you. And you're welcome. I'm Brian Martin. I'm Jennifer Martin. And our program is called Real Estate Love. And our goal is to strengthen your home and to build your business. And we want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great day.